0: Matthew chapter 28, Matthew chapter 28. I love all of you with the love of Jesus Christ, but I love you too much to see you go to hell. Amen. And if I got to make it uncomfortable, I'll make it uncomfortable, whatever it happened. Listen, if if Jesus did it to me, I got to be willing to do it to you. You ain't going to be saved in in a comfort zone. Come on, say amen, somebody. Matthew 28, Matthew 28. Let me twist this up just a little bit here. Uh, can you hear me now? Yes, all right, is that a little better? Matthew, the 28th chapter, and I want to look at verse, let's look at verse 8. Is that all right? Yeah. Can I look at verse 8? Mm-hmm. Okay. Verse 8, and um, yeah, let's, let's go to verse 8 first. Let's go to verse 8. Let's start there. All right, if you're there, would you say amen? amen. All right. So the women hurried away from the tomb afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money. They bribed them, y'all. Watch this. Watch what they did. Telling them, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, the governor, (laughs) we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. If you're still there, would you shout hallelujah? Oh, you ain't there. uh, Now, come get with me now. Come come, come on now. Now, if you're here, would you shout hallelujah? Hallelujah. All right, here's my text. Then the 11 disciples, notice, how many was it, everybody? They lost one. Went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus, verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son. And of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. These are the last words that Jesus ever uttered on planet Earth. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I want to teach this morning on the subject entitled Mission Drift. Mission Drift. Heavenly Father, have your way yeah. amen. amen I want to ask the media team if they'll put on the screen a, a slide one of, we, we have had quite a week in the media um, with things happening and it has been quite a tumultuous week for not only our country but for the world as things are transpiring such as the Supreme Court's decision uh, to legalize gay marriage. Also earlier in the week at at the last, uh, this Sunday, nine were killed in a Bible study at church. And it just won't stop. Just folks escaping prison Every time you turn around, there is a need to be afraid. And what I'm hearing, obviously, there is the natural reaction. There is a natural reflex of the church when we see these things. And I think it is appropriate. I think the right thing to do is to say when you see these things happening, that time is running out. You do believe that? Well, before this weekend, before uh, the... Situation with the nine that were killed um, before the Supreme Court's inevitable decision. Brothers and sisters, it was going to happen. It was going to happen. Yeah. Going to happen. And, and the truth of the matter is, uh, I may get in trouble for saying this, um, we as Seventh-day Adventists actually believe that people should be entitled, even if they're not doing what's right. They should be entitled to make their own decisions. I can't get nobody to talk back to me in here. Some folks called me and said, the end of the world is coming. Listen, we've been in the end of the world since Jesus ascended and went back. The last days didn't just start this week. We've been in the last days. I think one of the issues that, that we have misunderstood as relates to the coming of our Lord is we have too much emphasized that he's coming soon instead of saying that his coming is certain. There's a difference. There's a difference. There's a difference. Uh, When I was a kid, I I thought by now that we would have flying cars and and that we'd be living on Mars. And and they told us in 10 years Jesus was coming, and he did not. Every time something happened, when Ronald Reagan became president, come on, talk to me, somebody. Come on now. I mean, when George, when all the Bushes became president, as a matter of fact, let's just be real, especially black folk, uh, especially black folk, any time a Republican becomes president, we're like, the Lord is on his way, you know. Jesus is coming. It's time to get ready. And so I I don't want to belittle. I'm not trying to belittle. Please, uh, and and y'all got to understand. I got folks watching. They folks watch. They watch the internet. They and especially they they especially watch me now. I mean, they they. I'm not saying that to gas myself, but they're they're watching to find me say something. I'm just I'm just telling you. It's true. It's true. Get on Facebook. You'll see. And so I just want to be clear that I believe in the soon return of Jesus Christ. I just want to be clear for those that are watching. I believe in the Seventh-day Sabbath. Come on, say amen. I am still an Adventist. Come on, say amen. Amen. And just, and just for clarity's sake, with, with that in mind, I actually believe the Word of God, the Word of God emphasizes the certainty of the coming of Christ. Brothers and sisters, we got to be careful of date setting. We've we got to be careful. Like, I mean, I, I mean, listen, no doubt I get it, but like we ought not be saying it's time to get right now. No, it was time to get right 20 years ago. It was time to get right 10 years ago. Uh, the Supreme Court does not dictate when I want to get right with God. That's right, that's right. And if fear is our motivator for our salvation, you'll never be saved. As a matter of fact, your girl, Ellen White, yeah, I believe in Ellen White too. Your girl, your girl Ellen White actually says to us that the, that the terrors of the last days should not be a motivator should not be a motivator for us to get ready for Jesus to come. When I was raised, they tried to scare you to get ready. They, they would remind you of what the Pope was doing and all these kinds of things. And, and don't get me wrong, I think we ought to watch and pray. Come on, say amen. We ought to watch and pray. But, but, but understand this now. If, if, if bad things happening in our world was enough for folk to get right, then why are our churches empty? Why is it that you've been living during all these events? Some of y'all lived through the tumultuous 60s. Some of y'all lived through the crazy uh, uh, 70s. Some of y'all lived through the Buckwild 80s, 90s. And guess what? You still ain't led nobody to Jesus. Ever. Ever. You've not led one person to Jesus Christ that you know of. Talk to me in here. If simply, if simply re- uh, 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 the signs is enough. Then everybody sitting in here that's seen the devil work in your life. Talk to me now. Have you not seen enough in this life to know that Jesus, what he said, is going to happen? Uh, he said he's coming back, did he not? So it does not matter when that happens. I'm always ready. I'm not getting ready. I'm ready right now. I don't know about you. I'm ready right now. I'm ready right now. And the sign, here he goes now. How do you know that you really believe that Jesus is coming soon? How do you know? Is it because you can you can grapple with the prophecies that you you can quote scripture? These things mean nothing. These these things were these things, these things, these things, these Come things. things. These things were possessed by the Pharisees that killed our Lord. They had the prophecies, they had the scriptures. Come on, talk to me. they knew it better than us, but yet they fell into the trap. And they and the Bible says when he came, they didn't even know who he was. And I'm telling you right now, I really believe that many of us, if we don't catch what the real identifying mark is of a person that's ready, that believes, how, how do I know that you believe Jesus is coming soon? No, don't just tell me because you saw the Pope do something. Don't just tell me that because you see what the Supreme Court, don't tell me you believe if you ain't telling nobody about the soon return of Jesus. If you're not dedicating your entire life to the salvation of others, you don't believe he's coming. If you knew Jesus was coming tomorrow, if you somehow God gave you some inside information that you knew he was coming tomorrow, you'd do stuff differently. Talk to me now. Don't sit here and tell me you think he's coming soon. No, you don't. If you did, you would be telling everybody that you could find about a risen Savior and a coming King. You don't believe Jesus is coming soon. You look through the scriptures, look through the writings of Paul. Every time, every time there was a mention of Antichrist, every time there was a mention of the coming of the Lord, Paul, Christ, all of the major players in scripture would say, it's time to start telling people about Jesus. One of the things I'm afraid of about our churches is that many of us have this mindset that when we begin to see the plagues and we begin to see uh, the the prophecies being fulfilled, uh, don't, don't, don't let us see an earthquake happen. So folks start saying, oh, Lord, he's on the way. I'm saying the minute we see these things, many of us have the knee-jerk response, but let me ask you something right now. If you believe that he's really coming, if you really believe that, what's your money saying? What's your lifestyle saying? What's your mouth saying? It's quiet in here. Go back to 1844 when Seventh-day Adventists believed that Jesus was coming on 1844 and were disappointed. The story records that folks that believed he was coming, they start selling all their possessions. They started telling everybody that they knew that Jesus was there. Money meant nothing to them anymore. What show was on television didn't mean nothing anymore. The only thing they were concerned about was people dying and missing out on the kingdom. There are many of us here right now, we want Jesus to come, but we want him to come and save us. But we ain't so much concerned about nobody else getting saved. Help me, Holy Ghost. If I really believe that Jesus is coming, my number one concern ought to be able to tell folks to get out the house, it's on fire. I Ought to be looking for people. I, I ought to be concerned that folks are going, millions, are going to a Christless grave. Do you really believe yeah, Jesus is coming soon. Yes, is. Well, in this particular passage of scripture, one of the things we see happening is something that happens too often with many of us. We start drifting from the very purpose for which we were ex- came to existence. Go to the next slide for me. I want to show you something. Uh, there is a concept uh, called mission drift. Mission drift. Somebody say mission drift. <laughs> uh, in the book, Mission Drift, the unspoken crisis facing Leaders, charities, and churches uh, written by uh, uh, Peter Greer. He uh, he 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 brings this to our mind, and I want you I want you to see this right now. Don't get bored, don't get bored. I w- I want you to think just a little bit about your life and and if you are on track, you're on course. If you really believe that Jesus is coming, and, and look at this statement here, you'd be shocked uh, to find out uh, where this statement came from. It's from a well-known university. It's a mission statement of a very well-known university. And this is what it says. It says, to be plainly instructed, the mission statement of a very well-known university, the mission statement of a very well-known university is this, to be plainly instructed and consider well that the main end of your life and studies is to know God and Jesus Christ. Anybody know what university, that was their mission statement when they were created. Do you know who it is? I'll tell you in a second. Well, this university ended up drifting from its initial mission, which was a school designed to raise up preachers and professionals who would be plainly instructed and consider well the main end of your life and studies and is to know God and Jesus Christ. You'd be shocked. You know what university this mission statement was hundreds of years ago? Harvard. Harvard Harvard University. Well, Harvard after about 80 years of its existence, y'all know Harvard is like totally secular now. Harvard is a is is the bastion if you please of evolution ideology. It is no longer operating like a Christian university that it was founded upon. So 80 so so 80 years later, a bunch of preachers were like, "Harvard has drifted from its mission. Let's start another school." so that we can counteract what has happened to Harvard. And the name of this school, go to the next slide for me, the name of this school is called Yale University. Yale University was founded on the idea to produce preachers and gospel workers who will take the message of Jesus Christ to the entire world. What happened to these universities? Anybody knows anybody anybody ever heard of Harvard before? Am I in the right crowd? Anybody know Harvard or Yale? Listen, if you go to Harvard or Yale, you're the man. You know, look, they say, look, depending on what your degree is, you come out of Harvard or Yale, automatic six figures. This is the creme de la creme of Ivy League education. People are fighting to get in Harvard. Matter of fact, I just saw the other day that Harvard's endowment, which I think is something like $40 billion, their their endowment is so high that they're no longer going to be charging people tuition to come to school. They don't need money anymore. But somewhere along the path, they they went after worldly success, and they forgot about their very mission, which was to win people for Jesus Christ. Well, uh, let me come down. Let me come down your street. Uh, you ever heard of the YMCA? Y-M-C-A. Yeah, that song is is actually done in jest. Uh, <laughs> showing us how far YMCA has diverted and drifted from its mission. The YMCA initially, when it was founded in London, was founded for the purpose of having a Bible study for troubled boys. Somewhere around the 19th century, though, they realized that they were losing money because teaching little boys the Bible was not something people wanted to invest in. So in order to attract dollars, they decided that they would throw the Bible study away and simply build fitness centers. And, and I've benefited from the Y's fitness centers. I, I praise God for the Y. I think the Y is an awesome institution. But they have drifted from their original intent. Y'all ain't feeling me yet, so let me, let me talk to you now. Al Green. Oh, come on. Come on in here. Come on in here, saints. Uh, let, me, uh, let me take us back to uh, karaoke a few years ago. Amen. Hey, come on in here, somebody. <laughs> Al Green, where y'all at in here? I can't get nobody to talk back. Yeah. Uh, Al Green was a preacher. Come on, say amen. Yeah. Somehow Al, 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 Green, Al Green drifted. I, I didn't know that Denzel Washington's father was a Pentecostal preacher. Phil Jackson, who won 11 championships, six with the Chicago Bulls, five with the Los Angeles Lakers. Now the GM for the New York Knicks comes from a home where both his mother and father are Pentecostal preachers. And now he believes in Zen and, and Buddhism. And you just you say to yourself, what, what happens to a person when, when they start off with a very clear mission and, and sometime over time they begin to drift? Oh, Lord, Whitney Houston, Lord. And then you begin to think about her little baby girl, Bobby. I mean, is this not a tragic? I'm telling you, man, I'm fascinated by these stories They just show me, man, what the world will do. Shows what the world will do when you begin to drift. From the calling that God has on your life, the world ate up Whitney and her daughter alive. That's what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Katie Perry yeah. was going to start out and be a gospel singer. I't lost about I lost everybody that was born after 1975. I lost all of you. Yeah. Anybody know who Kate Perry is y'all, y'all know what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, Daddy's a Pentecostal preacher was until she got paid. come on say Amen. I mean, these are the things that we see happening, but, but y'all ain't feeling me yet. So, so I, I got I to help you out now. I'm, I'm wishing you the best, praying that you're blessed. Uh, bring much success, no stress, and, and, and kids of happiness. I can flow, I can flow. I'm, I'm better than that. Uh huh. I'm not going to blast you on the radio. I'm better than that. I'm not going to lie on you and your family. I'm, I'm better than that. I'm not going to hate on you in magazines. I'm better than that. I'm not going to compromise my Christianity. I'm better than that. You know I'm not going to dish you on the internet because my mama taught me better than that. I'm a survivor. I'm not going to give up. I I lost everybody here that was born. Let me help you out now. You ever heard of Destiny's Child? Come on. Lord, anybody know who Destiny's Child is out there? Oh, thank God. I just grabbed in all my young folk for a minute. Beyonce. I know y'all know who. Yeah, I know you know who be I. Uh, do y'all remember uh, that song, I'm a Survivor? And I, I'll never forget that line in the song I'm not going to compromise my Christianity. Yeah. You spoke too soon. <laughs> oh, come on in here, somebody. Uh, raised in the church. And you ask yourself, how is it that that we start off with clarity of mission, start off with clarity of assignment? But over time, I'm telling you now, your natural tendency as a human being is to drift. Some of you, got had a calling on your life from the day you was born and you ain't pursued it yet. You done made money or you done done well for yourself. You got a good job. You got a family, but you still living in disobedience. And I want to tell you right now that God's call on your life has no expiration date. I don't care if you're 90 years old. God told you to go to Oakwood. Pack your stuff up right now. Oh, pastor, that's just unfair. God, no, God does not change his mind when God speaks. And I'm going to tell you right now, one of the problems why many of us are missing out on the blessings of God is because we are living in disobedience to commands that he has given us in the past. It's hard to hear a word from the Lord when God spoke on some 30 years ago, and you think for some kind of reason that God has forgotten about what he said. The Bible says God is not a man that he should lie, nor the Son of Man that he should repent. I'm telling you right now, if you are not intentional, somebody shout intentional. If you are not, if you are not focused, your natural tendency is to drift. From the mission that God has for your life. Don't think that God is cool with you just being comfortable. Don't think God's cool with the new house you got. The new car you got. When you have not moved in the assignment that God has given you. And the last example I want to use is the church. A drifting is happening in the church. And in the modern society now, church has become associated with buildings. Yeah, 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 y'all hear me say it all the time. We are now in a society where church is something that happens in two hours. And depending on what race you are, it happened in an hour. Come on, say amen. Huh? Uh, we are in a society now where, 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 where superstition and, and tradition, Lord have mercy, and, and what some preacher said and, and how we've always done it is now more, has more weight in the church than the word of God. Churches now have become insulated clubs of people who love each other but don't love nobody else. But they barely love each other because they don't know how to do that well. And, and people in our society, I'm telling you now, we can get mad all we want about what's going on with the legalization of, of gay marriage and all this kind of stuff. There's a reason why people are flocking to the things of this world. That's because the church has drifted from what we were supposed to do in the first place. And what God called us to do is to be like him. When you read the word of the, tell me we haven't drifted. Look, look me in the eye and tell me we haven't drifted. Look at the church. Look at Jesus. Oh, y'all not praying with me right now. The Bible says that the sinners, the publicans, this is what the word says. The Bible says prostitutes. Y'all not praying with me in here. Y'all don't want to hear this today. The Bible says that the worst of the worst love to be with Jesus. Yeah. We are now in a culture where people that, 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 that we call sinners don't want nothing to do with the church because the truth of the matter is that people cannot find any similarity between church folk and Jesus. Yeah. The number one thing that ought to characterize the church other than our commitment to the word of God ought to be a compassion and a love. Come on, y'all. The Bible says by this... Will all men know that you're my disciples, not if you have praise and worship, not if you got a hymnal, not if you dress up or dress down. All that stuff doesn't mean nothing. God's going to burn all of it up one day anyway. He's going to burn that organ. He's going to burn that piano. He's going to burn your suit. He's going to burn this t-shirt. But what he will not destroy is the character of God. And what God is looking for in these last church, at least last days, is a church that looks like him a church that's not scared of people. I ain't scared of thugs. Come on in here, somebody. When you got the Holy Ghost inside of you, how you gonna be afraid of a gun? You got something bigger than a gun. You got prayer. You got power on the inside. You've got power to the Bible... The Bible says that when you speak, things ought to happen. The Bible says that when you pray, demons... I ain't scared of nobody. I'm not scared of AIDS. I ain't scared of drugs. I ain't scared of pimps. I ain't scared of prostitutes. How can I be afraid of what God has set me free from? All of us in here have been set free from sin. No matter what your sin problem is, how you get all brand new now and act like you can't hang with folk? We have drifted in a church where people are more offended They're more offended by how a worship service goes than they're offended that when a call is made to go out into the community and pray for people, only 10 people show up. You ought to get mad about that. They get mad because old ways of doing things that don't work no more. Are suggested to be changed so that we can reach a generation that has no fear of God or anybody. Am I telling the truth in here? We are dealing with a generation now that has no fear of God and they ain't scared of you. They'll walk down in the middle of the street on Lee and Harvard and they will, and they will take their time across the street and dare you to run over them. They ain't scared of death They ain't scared of life. They ain't scared of nobody. And you think that this kind of stuck-up, bougie way of doing church is going to reach folk that have been to hell and back. And are living in hell right now is going to work. I declare in the name of Jesus that that's not going to work in these last days. What we need, according to Ellen White, is we need a church that will model the mindset of Jesus Christ where we are not caught up in what we've done, how we've done it, how long we've done it. God says, I want people that are so possessed with my love that I will draw all men unto me. This is a a defense. This is a defense today of the ministry of Jesus. I'm telling you right now, something's got to change. Well, let me wrap this thing up. As Jesus was getting ready to go to heaven, his ministry had come to an end. He knew, please don't miss this. You've got to know, we've done five funerals in the past week and a half. And one of the things I'm discovering is, is that God prepares people for death. And God will tell, God will tell you stuff. Oh, listen, I'm telling you, listening to some of the folks talk and listening to uh, what their family members said, God would tell folk they were going to die before they died. Yes. And the family members would in turn tell family members about what God was saying. And I'm going to tell you right now, you can, you can very clearly see what's important to a person based on what they say before they lay their head down to eternal rest. Yes. And just as Jesus was getting ready to leave... Never again would they see his face until the second time. You know what the last thing that came out of his mouth was? The last thing that mattered to him. I'm telling you, this will eliminate, this should eliminate all of the argument, discussion, and dissension that so perplexes the body of Christ. Y'all ignore me for a minute. Uh, you folk out there that are using my sermons and other people's sermons to create division in the church because you don't like the way things are happening as if this, belo- this church belongs to you. Uh, for, for a minute, let's talk for, right, for one minute. Uh, we've got to be concerned about people whose desire it is to change church people more it is than to reach folk in the, out in the community. Like we're wasting our energies trying to change folk that's already full when there's folk out there that's already hungry and don't got nothing to eat. What God wants us to to do in these last days is not to be preoccupied with us. God wants us to be preoccupied with them. If it costs us our job, God is pleased. If it costs us our money, God is pleased. There is not going to be one person that makes it into the kingdom of God if they have not sacrificed something so that somebody can come to know... I don't know what y'all are doing. Are you here today because you want to be used? You want to be a blessing? Have I got... Somebody in here, you're tired of doing nothing. You're tired of the routine. You're tired of the monotony. You're tired of of, of humdrum religion. Is there anybody here that wants to feel the surge of power? That wants to be in places where miracles happen? Do you not want to dwell in the place of the supernatural? Do you not want to see dead folks get up and folks that are blind, eyes open? The Bible says when you commit yourself to the work of saving people... And not saving yourself, God will work signs and wonders in your life. You will literally see the dead come to life. Pastor, I can't get nothing out of the word. Uh, Pastor, my prayer, I'm just bored. I, church is boring. Pastor, I ain't feeling it. Pastor, I'm not feeling the. When I study, I ain't getting nothing out of it. Pastor, I don't know, man. I just, I ain't feeling church. Can I tell you why? I can tell you how to jumpstart your relationship with God right now. Get y'all behind, out of this building and go find somebody that scares you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go go find somebody that that you have nothing in common with. (laughs) Hallelujah. Uh, Go to a neighborhood, and, and before you go, say, God, give me strength to be a blessing to somebody. I'm telling you right now, the difference between many of us, between the next level in our relationship with God, is 18 inches, it's from our head to our heart. See, in your head... You believe that Jesus is coming soon. In your head, you believe that we're supposed to win people for Jesus Christ. In your head, you know what to say, when to say it, and how to say it. But that thing has not touched your heart. That is the longest distance in the world between what God wants and what you are. It's from your head to your heart. So what was Jesus' last parting words? That's it. He said, all authority has been given unto me. Hey, listen, now see, that doesn't really move you, but consider for a minute that he was dead a few hours ago. I love the word of God. He was a dead man. The disciples were despondent and bewildered. Uh, they, had t- they took off running and didn't know where they were going. And then somebody sent word, one of the women, Lord have mercy. Don't get me going on that. Uh, Jesus showed himself to a woman first and said, y'all go tell them that I'm alive. The first gospel preacher there was, was a woman that saw him. Oh, y'all are praying with me in here. And I'm going to say it, I don't believe that gender, come on in here somebody, should be able to hold somebody back from doing the will of God. And listen, uh, my sister, if you're here today and you're somehow nervous about folks, how they think about you because you want to preach, then don't worry about preaching in no church. Go on out there to a red light district and set you up a pulpit and open up your mouth and square your shoulder and tell them what God has done. We don't need to be fighting over what's going on in here. God, help us to leave this place so we can go out and have to fight where it belongs. The Bible says these women went and told the disciples, they said, uh, he's alive. Now, you know men don't believe women. And they said, whatever. They said, look, I'm telling you, we saw him. He's alive. And he's told us to meet him on the mount. The Bible says they all gathered on the mount, about 500 of them. Some believed, some didn't believe. And out of nowhere, shows up Jesus. Oh, come on, that all of that. Woo! See, you wasn't there. But take yourself, tell, uh, uh, teleport yourself back 2,000 years ago. You sitting there, you saw him hanging there, you saw his dead body, you saw the tomb, and now he's alive. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy, Jesus. Lord, have mercy. And the Bible says, first thing comes out of his mouth, all authority has been given unto me. Uh, you think so? Yeah, if you beat death, you got all power. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, is before the resurrection, I didn't have all power. I was simply operating by faith and trust in my daddy. Whatever I did before resurrection, you are able to do. I was not able, I did not conquer death. I did not conquer death in my strength. I conquered it in the strength of God. But now that I beat death, now that I wrestled death down on the mat of salvation and made death cry uncle, <laughs> now that I beat death, look death in the face, snatched the keys of death, hell, and the grave, told death to go to hell, and said, I am alive, and I've got all power. Why not say, I got authority? Oh yeah, if you can beat death, you got power. Come on, say amen in here. If you can look death in the face, the Bible says, oh grave, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? Even in death, my God's got power. Oh, what is your problem? What is your situation? I feel all right today. What is that problem that seems bigger than life? You serve a God that knows how to beat up death. You serve a God that is alive. I don't serve a dead God. That's why I would not be dead. That's why my praise is not dead. That's why my worship is not dead. Because my God. He's alive. And watch what he said. He said, I've got all power. Now, let me help you out here. The the word power, the word power in the text is the word exousia. Uh Uh-huh. There are two words for power in the Bible. One is exousia, and the other is dunamis. See, dunamis is from where we get the word dynamite. The Bible says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It's dynamite. The the goal of the story of what Jesus did is designed to blow stuff up. Come on, say amen. But when Jesus said, I got all power, he he was really saying, is I've got all authority. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh, uh, I like authority. See, authority can get you further than power can. See, everybody in here has power, but everybody here don't got authority. Come on in. Oh, y'all not, y'all not hearing me in here. Everybody here, uh, case in point, so say, say, you're, say you're at a traffic stoplight and, and you see an a 18-wheeler uh, that is intentionally uh, blocking traffic. A uh, police officer cannot... He does not have the power to move the truck. He physically cannot push the truck. He cannot move the 18-wheeler out of the way. He does not have dunamis power to do that. But but, but the police officer has the authority to tell him to get out and to move. Does he not? That's exousia. That's authority. Now, 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 let me blow your mind right now. When Jesus said... I've got all power. He was saying, I've got all authority. Now, hold on a minute. Are we saying that Jesus only has one kind of power? No, because he already assumes that you know he's got dunamis power. Y'all not hearing me now. In other words, there's no need for him to say, I've got dunamis power, because I done showed you for three and a half years that when I walk around dead folk, they don't say that way. (laughs) I'm sorry, that's just who I am, you know. When I get around folks that can't see, the only way they won't be able to see is if they don't believe. The Bible says sometimes Jesus will walk through the whole neighborhood and get healed because we already know he's got dunamis. I'm going to tell you right now, God has not only given you dunamis, but God has given you exousia. And watch this, if God has dunamis and exousia, then you got dunamis and exousia. What am I saying? Not only do you have power on the inside, the Bible says through the power of the Holy Ghost, You have power to tread on serpents. This is what the Word says in Mark the 16th chapter. The Scripture says you have power to tread on serpents. The Bible says that you will speak to the sick and they shall recover. The Bible says you'll look at dead folk, tell them to get up and they will. Pastor, why ain't that happening? Because you do not possess the power of the Holy Ghost. Ellen White says the same promise that God gave that we would have power over unclean spirits he says that same power is available to the church right now but the issue with us is, is we want exousia without dunamis we want authority and control but we don't have inner power see the thing is is God's not going to trust you with authority if you don't got nothing working on the inside anybody ever work for somebody who power tripped anybody ever met a power tripper Uh, These are folk that don't got no authority nowhere else. But when they come to work, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have they act like they're president of the United States of America. That's because they lack the inner power so they can't command the authority. But Jesus got both. Oh, this, this, this will make your problem look real small. Jesus not only has power, but Jesus can say stuff and stuff got to happen. Because he beat death and the grave, Jesus has the ability not only to make stuff happen, but he also can command stuff to happen. And the scripture says, Lord, I'm about to get excited, that the same power that Jesus has, right, I've got that power. Not only do I have power working on the inside, But God says I can speak those things that are not as though they are. Oh, y'all not hearing me now. That when I speak the word of God, my situation has to change. When I speak the word of faith, my life has to get in order to what the word of God says. Any Bible students in here know that the word of God has got power. Y'all making me preach too hard. Somebody talk back to me in here. Somebody push me today. Uh, Do you not know that if you speak God's word... That your life has to be in order to the Word of God. There is nothing more powerful than the Word of God. Demons tremble at the Word of God. Your job has to be ordered by the Word of God. That's why I've learned to praise God. Because praising God is speaking the Word of God in the atmosphere. So that the atmosphere has to bend to the Word of God. And that's why I declare, I, don't, I, ain't scared, I ain't scared, I ain't scared, I ain't scared. That's why I say, yeah, 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 yeah. Even when it looks like all my situation is about to uh, fall down and become nothing, I, I still ain't scared. I'll say that my latter days will be greater than my former. I, I believe that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even though I'm catching hell, I have no doubt in my mind if Jesus can beat death, then I have no issue saying no weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper. For all my members in here that have suffered death, Uh, remind yourself that he said I am the resurrection and the life. You don't have to get excited because I feel God all by myself. Hey, what I'm learning right now, see, you gotta be in a you gotta be in a fight. You gotta be going, you gotta be uh, being attacked by the devil to know what I'm talking about. Jesus said, I not only have beat death, but I've got exousia and I declare right now all power. Mm -hmm. Now, let me show you why this is significant. Watch what he says. He says, All power has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Can I break down what he just said? He's saying, I got all power in Jerusalem, in Israel, in Africa, in America, on your job, in your marriage. Oh, by the way, didn't I say all power in heaven and in earth? Okay. So not only do I have power on planet earth, but I got universal power. (laughs) Now, here's the setup for the close. Jesus said he's got all power. Watch this. Watch this, guys. Watch this. Everywhere. Believer, 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 believer. How dare you complain about anything when you serve and worship a god that be deaf and that's so bad he can get up and say i got all power and then to add more to it he says just in case you're concerned about the uh, the extent of my power i got power on earth and in the universe now watch what he says he says therefore make disciples We are going to build this facility. Yes, can I tell you why? I know it's 4 point something million dollars, but how can I be scared of that number when the Lord told me, if you're going to make disciples, know that I'm giving you all power. Yes. Let, me, let me help you out now. Let me give you me give some context. Jesus just told 11 people that have not even been converted, you're going to change the world. Yes. The first point I want to make to you is that Jesus thinks big. He looks at eleven befuddled, disoriented disciples and says to them, uh, "I want you to make disciples of the whole world." I come back. They look at each other like, uh, "Okay, this is just eleven of us, and we lost our most talented disciple." But let me tell you something about God. God never thinks small, so you shouldn't think small. God's mindset is global. It is an act of unbelief for Christians to ever think small when you serve a God that already is big. He doesn't need to think big. He is big. Forgive me for crazy faith. Forgive me for crazy ideas. Forgive me for thinking that we can reach the whole city of Euclid. I I just believe that if he's got all power, then I can do exceeding, abundant, above and beyond what I could ever ask for or imagine. You know what bothers me the most about the church is that we think so small when we serve a God that's so big. Three quick things. Then he said, make disciples of all nations. Wow. Did you hear that? He said, it, let me ask you this. If he said make disciples of the whole world, don't you think he thinks we're capable of doing that? <laughs> it, let me ask you this. Is there anything too hard for God? Let me leave you three things real quick. First, first thing we learn from this text is we've got his power. Whatever Jesus, please don't miss this. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, you're going to do greater. Did he not say that? He says, you will do greater. Not only will we be able to do great, but we will be able to do greater than him. Number two. Number two. Not only do we have his power, we have his passion. What is Jesus most concerned about right now? That siren going down the street. He's concerned about these city of Cleveland. He's concerned about little babies. He's concerned about 70% of Black homes growing up without fathers and a church full of men, full of men, full of men that won't mentor nobody. He's concerned. He's concerned that there are churches all in this community. And yet the the place where there are the most churches is typically the place there's the most crime. That's a problem. He's concerned, he's concerned that the world has more of your money than the kingdom of God has. Yeah, it bothers him when you've got to pay your cable bill, but you won't give no money to the kingdom. Oh, come on, saints. We got to have his power, we got to have his passion, and lastly, we got his promise. You know what the last thing Jesus said? You know what the last thing he said in the Great Commission? And I love this. Lo, I'm with you always. Did you catch that sandwich? On the front end, he says, I got all power. And then he gave them an idea that was so big that it probably scared the living daylights out of them. He says, all 11 y'all, go change the world. They got nervous. You know what he said after that? Uh, cool down. I'm with you. Thank you. When, please don't miss this, when you place your life in the mission of Jesus, then and only then, it is only when you go 100% in reaching lost people for Jesus Christ that you can claim all power and I'm with you always. Those two promises are for disciple makers. Church is not where you go to get a blessing. church I got to say this I really thank God for the encouragement that I get from people Pastor are you preaching today? No, I'm out of town. Well, I'm not coming. Okay. Wow. Oh. Entertainment loving Christians will not get all power and will not be able to claim I'm with you always. I like the music. I don't like the music. I like the way they dress. I like them. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. For what? So that you can make disciples. What's the number one desire of this pastor? That every single believer, breathing person in this room will commit their entire life to reaching lost people. That's why this church is here. Any talk that suggests that we need to consider Those that are already saved, in preference to those that are not, is demonic. Uh, Satan does not want us to place our thoughts and our affections and our attention on reaching lost people. He doesn't want us to get anywhere near them. That's right, that's right. That's why he tries so desperately to hold us in here. Uh, here. let Let me just tell you a story real quick. There was a little girl in New Jersey, four years old. She got on a, what do you call those boards? They're not, um, it's like a, these water boards that these kids used. Um, it's not skiing, but like a surf, it's like a surfing board, but I forgot the name of them. No, it's not, no, it's surfing, beach, it's like, yeah, whatever. No, it's, All right. <laughs> This is not taboo. Is this okay? I'll just say this: She was surfing. All right, it was one of those surfboards. She was in a she was she was in a bay in New Jersey. Four years old. Her parents and others were engaged in water sports and didn't monitor it closely. She fell asleep on the board, and the board drifted out about a mile off the coast. Somebody saw a spot out in the middle of the bay. Looked around and realized that the four-year-old girl was gone. Thankfully, they said that it must be her. Of course, by the time they got out there, the little girl was still asleep on the board. She drifted. She drifted. Mm. She just drifted. drifted the thing is is unless you're intentionally trying to get somewhere you're going to drift and you won't even realize how far you've drifted until God's spirit shows you that you've drifted question is your life 100% devoted to reaching lost people then you've drifted. Does God have your money for the building up of his kingdom? Then we're drifting. Our happiness is not his agenda, our holiness is his agenda. I want to pray right now. is there somebody here today and before we before we reach our goal for $100,000 which we've given to God but there may be somebody today and you get it I want my life to be encircled by his authority and his presence and you know the only way that can happen It's if you deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him, but you cannot follow God and sit still at the same time. You can't be a part of a...